0: your Bibles, and I hope you do, because we're going to be looking at them. And it's God's divine Word. It's all-sufficient. It's It's the final authority. It's all-sufficient, and it's without error. And we love the Word of God. Turn to Psalm 67. Psalm 67 is where we're going to be at. We're continuing our series on called to praise the Lord. And thus far, we looked at the five doxological Hillel Psalms. So let's take a look at that chart. It's there. And we've looked at the choice, the causes, the center, the celebration, and the consummation. And those are those five psalms. But with World Outreach right around the corner and with the way that Psalm 150 ended, really the last thing I taught you in this series, it connects to Psalm 167. And so let's begin with this. What's the connection to Psalm 150? Well, you can look there, turn back to Psalm 150, keep your finger there in Psalm 67. And if you look at Psalm 150 and the entire book of Psalms, it ends with these these words. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And how do we respond to that? Hallelujah, that's what we respond, and we said, why does it end, the whole book of Psalms, with let everything that has breath, and I gave you several reasons, but the last reason I gave you is the one I want us to focus on this morning, and it's this, that Psalm 150, verse 6, motivates us to stay on mission until the return of the King. Stay on mission because Psalm 150 looked forward to that day when every tribe, nation, tongue, and language will gather around that throne. But you and I live in what's called the now and the not yet. We live between the first coming of Christ and the final coming of Christ. And what is Jesus the King doing? Well, He's seated at the right hand of the Father. What is He doing? between the now and the not yet, between his first coming and second coming. Well, the number one thing he's doing is calling out a people for himself from every tribe, nation, tongue, and language group. He's calling out a people. In fact, that's what church means. Ecclesia means called out ones. He's calling out a people. He's called you out. He's called me out. And we gather in kingdom outposts that we call local churches. And what do we do between the now and the not yet? Well, we gather to worship our king. We gather to sing hallelujah. We gather to worship, but we're also sent to witness. And what do we witness of? We witness that the king has come, he's coming again, and he's calling out a people through the gospel a calling out of people of himself. And basically, we're just inviting people, hey, come join us. The kingdom is coming. The king has already come. Come, join a kingdom outpost and let's worship and witness to the Lord because everything, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. So that's what we're doing. So how does Psalm 67 connect? Well, Psalm 67 reveals... The connection between the Great Commission, which is going and witnessing. It's more than that, but I'm just looking at the basics. Go, make disciples of all nations. It's the connection between that and the great doxology of the Hillel's worshiping. So, Psalm 67 connects missions and worship. It connects witnessing and praising. And so, that's what I want you to see. So, let's take a look. Where's the commission in Psalm 67? Well, let's read it. And so, look at Psalm 67. It's only seven verses. And here's what I want you to do. As I read this, I want you to note how many times nations, peoples, and the word all is used. I want you to look at that and notice. And then notice how worship and praising the Lord is connected to the nations. So let's take a look at it. Psalm 67 is this. God be gracious to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. And then all of a sudden he's overwhelmed by that and he says, Selah, which means, we're not sure what it means, but most likely... At the minimum, it means pause and reflect. Likely it was a musical interlude. You know how you sing a song and then there's instrumentation and you're and you're just like thinking about what you just heard. That your way may be known on the earth, your salvation among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you will judge the peoples with uprightness, and guide the nations on the earth. Boom. Selah. Again. Pause. Think about that. And then it goes on, verse 5. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Notice verse 3 and verse 5 are exactly the same. And they bracket verse 4. And then it says, The earth has yielded its produce... God, our God, blesses, blesses us. God blesses us. Why? That all the ends of the earth may fear Him. Wow, it is a great, great psalm. And did you see how there's a connection between the Great Commission and the celebration of praise that we have been talking about? You see that connection. Psalm 67 reminds us of this truth. It reminds us that worship is the goal and the fuel of missions. Worship is the goal and the fuel of missions. Now, let me give you a little background on Psalm 67 before we dive into it. Notice the, uh, the superscription, that, the title, the, the info that comes before this psalm. It says, uh, For the choir director with string instruments... A psalm and a song. And so three things I just want you to hit and see to get into this. First of all, Psalm 67 is a missionary psalm. It's a missionary psalm that has praise, prayer, and prophecy all rolled up into it. There's a lot going on in these seven verses. But it really has a missionary mindset. And the doubling up of psalm and song really lets us see that this is a prayer of praise and praise that should lead to prayer. That's what I want you to see. And what we are praying and what we are praising is also a prophecy, as we're going to see. So all that is in there, and it has a missionary theme to it. Secondly, I want you to see that Psalm 67 is linked to Psalms 65 and 68. It's linked to it by a focus on this phrase, O God, who is our salvation? O God, who is our salvation? Not a question, an exclamation. Now, the reason I'm just throwing that information out there, we don't have time today to dive into that, is I just want to model for you, I no longer see a psalm as an individual psalm. And so when I looked at Psalm 67... I, after this study, after what I have learned personally in this study, okay, well, where is it? It's in book two. That's a book that is showing the decline of the Davidic kingdom. But hey, this is full of praise and it's linked to these four verses and, or these four psalms and these four psalms emphasize, oh God, you are the God of our salvation. Now, does that sound familiar to you from Jonah. Because, what is the theme of our world outreach? It's this salvation belongs to the Lord. And so, this psalm even is in a context where we are emphasizing the God who is our salvation. And this psalm says it's not just our salvation, it's whose salvation? All nations, all peoples. In fact, We saw nations, peoples. There's three different Hebrew words for peoples and nations in this verse. It's comprehensive to everyone. And so I want you to see that. Thirdly, Psalm 67 is a prayer. It's calling us not to praise like we have been seeing. It's calling us to prayer. And the reason I say that is I want you to look in your Bibles... Notice the word let, at least in the New American Standard. you see the word let in your translation? Okay. How many times do you see that in your Bible? How many times in verse 3? Two. How many times in verse 4? Anybody? One. How many times in verse 5? Two. Okay. Now, here's the thing. If you've been paying attention through our study, when you see let, I kept telling you, oh, that's an invitation. Because it's an invitation to kick your praise up a notch, right? Bam. Okay. But in this prayer, at least in verses three and four, it is not a call to praise. It's a call to prayer. Oh, Lord, let this happen. Oh Lord, let the nations praise you. So this is a missionary prayer set in the context of praise. So the lets that you see there, at least in verses three and four, maybe not so much verse five, but at least in verses three and four, it's not an invitation to praise, it's an intercession of prayer for the nations. And so as we go through this today, I want you to realize that Psalm 67 ranks right up there with Matthew 9 where the Lord of the harvest says, Pray therefore the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers. So that's the same passion that is in here. And this prayer should be linked to Matthew 6 where the great kingdom prayer, Our Father who art in heaven, holy be your name. Your kingdom come." Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And what is His will? That all the people should praise Him. You got it. So I just want to see, I want you to see the threads of this, the passion of this, and the prayer focus of this. It's praise and prayer for a purpose. And the purpose is let all the peoples praise you, O Lord. So let's dive into what it means. A missionary prayer. For all people to praise God. Here's the first thing I want you to see. In verses 1 through 3, we see a global heart cry of missions. We see the global heart cry of missions. Say, Chris, how should we pray? Well, verses 1 through 3, look at it again. God be gracious to us and bless us, and cause his face to shine upon us. Selah, that your way may be known on the earth. Your salvation among all nations. Let the people praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Now, let's look at this. What should we pray? Well, this verse tells us. Number one, it says to pray this. Keep on blessing us with the best blessing of all. Okay, say that five times fast. I can't do it. Lord, keep on blessing us with the best blessing. Blessing of all. That's the first thing we should pray. And you're like, Chris, that sounds really selfish, okay? But I'm sorry, it's Bible, okay? So start there, start there. What's the best blessing of all? It tells us in verse 1, God be gracious to us and bless us. Cause your face to shine upon us. So notice, the best blessing of all is Yahweh's holy presence with us lord bless us bless us and keep on blessing us with the best blessing of all your presence your face shining upon us okay so think about uh when you were a child and you did what was pleasing to your parents they turned their face to you and it wasn't an angry face it was a happy face. It shone with pride. It shone with, uh, I am pleased in you. I, I am proud of you. That's the idea. We want the presence of God to dwell among us in a way where he accepts us because he has redeemed us. He accepts us not because we are good enough but because of his grace. And that is the best blessing of all. Listen, God's presence in your life and in the life of this church is the greatest treasure on earth. That's why giving to our church, giving to missions, that's not a problem because we have the greatest treasure. The greatest treasure is God's presence. And folks, the greatest satisfaction in life is found in the presence of God and of his imperfect people. That's the treasure. That's the best blessing. But notice, why have we been blessed with the best blessing? You know, are we praying, God, bless us because we are so deserving. God, bless me because you're lucky to have me on your team. I'm the Mahomes of the kingdom of God. Aren't you happy that I am here? Why have we been blessed with the best blessing? Because it's Yahweh's gracious gift. It's His gracious gift to us. Notice, God be gracious to us. God be gracious to us. Lord, we're not saying bless me because I deserve it. Lord, I'm not saying bless me because I've earned it. I'm saying, Lord, bless me because I know you're gracious. And that you have given me salvation. And you have granted me your presence. I am one of your people. And I am called to praise you. Oh, it's a gift. No wonder he says, Selah. I mean, you just can't. I mean, the psalmist wrote this song under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote one verse and said, "Whoop, we need an interlude here. Because we need to reflect. And so here's what I'm asking you to think on is, do you see God's presence as your greatest treasure? Do you find your greatest satisfaction in the presence of the Lord? And if that's true, what would that look like on a day-to-day basis? At a minimum, it would mean spending time with Him, in His presence, praising and praying Him. It would mean sharing with others as well. And so, let's keep moving through this. Look at why we pray. So, I said, I said, Lord, bless us. Keep on blessing us. Sounds selfish. No, look at verse, uh, look at number two. Why why do we pray, uh, bless us? So we can continue to be a blessing to all peoples. Do you see that? Why does the Lord, so we can be a blessing? Why does the Lord bless us? So others will know Him like we do. Lord, keep blessing us with Your presence. So that we can be a blessing to others. That's the idea of this verse. Why? Look at verse 2. That your way may be known on the earth. That your salvation may be known among all nations. That's why we want God to bless us. Why Why do we want Him? We want people to know God's way of relating to people. Notice, your way. It doesn't say your ways. And it's parallel to salvation. God wants to us to let people know his way of relating is not mere religion. It's not mere ritual. People ought to be able to rub shoulders with us and go, Oh, that's how God relates to us. Oh, that's how God wants me to relate to God. But not only his way of relating, but we're to let the earth know his way of saving all Gentile nations. Saving a people out of all Gentile nations. So here's the idea. Two things. They're never going to know God's way of saving if we don't go tell them. That's the book of Jonah right there. They're not going to know his way of saving unless... We go and tell them. But here's the second thing. They're not going to know his way of relating to people if we don't go live among them and show them what it looks like. Listen, technology is great. We just heard from Joe Allen. I don't know where he's at this morning. I assume he's in church. He's in some church. We hear from missionaries every week that are around the globe. And it's great. That's a privilege. I appreciate all Randy and Audra do to get this for our whole Discovery Hour every Sunday. But it ain't nothing like World Outreach where you get to talk to people in person, where you get to relate to them. And here's the thing. If you're like me, the reason I'm standing here today, one reason that I'm here and born again is because there was a librarian in my public school at Oak Park that showed me how God relates to people in a personal way, and who told me the gospel and invited me to this church. That's why we want God to bless us. And there was a presence of God about that person that drew me, that showed me. I was going to church for 17 years every Sunday, and I thank you. That was a blessing. It was a blessing, and it's a habit that's entrenched in my life. It's a holy habit. But I'm telling you, I didn't come to know God until I got under the preaching of the gospel here at this church, and I began to relate and to see people relating to God in ways that my parents didn't and that my former church did not. That's what we're called to do. We are called, to, uh, we are blessed to be a blessing to the nations. But look at why. Now you say, okay, right there, that just sounds like missions, and we're done. Okay, we, this is what we do. Bless us so we can bless the nations. But why? Why do we make salvation? No, we'll look at number three. So they can join in our hallelujah chorus. So they can join in our hallelujah chorus in the final consummation of all things. See, verse three comes after verse two. So look at verse one. God bless us. Verse 2, so we can be blessing to the nations and tell them and show them of salvation. But look at verse 3. Why do they need to be saved? Because the goal of missions is worship and praise of God. Isn't that cool? And so the let in verse 3 are not invitations to the nations. It is supplication. It is intercession to God. God let the people praise you, O oh God. God, let the peoples praise you because that is the ultimate goal. Why are we blessed to be, why are we blessed to be a blessing to the nations? So that they can join in in the Hallel doxology that we have been studying and that they can not only have the presence of God in their life, But when God is present in your life, you're going to want to praise him and pray that others praise him too. Isn't that good? Bless me. Here's the prayer then. This is what we pray. Bless me to be a blessing to all peoples so they will join us in praising you. Wow. Now, who prays this way? Well... Let me give you some insights on that. First of all, those who are blessed with Abraham and those who are blessed by Aaron. say, Chris, why do you say that? Well, here's why. In verse 1, all that language about blessing, bless us to be a blessing, all that language comes right out of Genesis 1 and 3. It's the Abrahamic covenant. Turn your Bibles to Genesis 12. Genesis 12, 1 and 3. And I, want, you to, I want, to read, want us to read the Abrahamic covenant. Who gets to pray this way? Those that are blessed with Abraham and blessed by Aaron. So let's look at Abraham. Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house, To the land that I'll show you. I'm going to give you a land. And I will make of you a great nation. Nation of Israel. But notice, here's why I'm going to give you that land. Here's why I'm going to make you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing. Blessing never ends with us. We are blessed to be a blessing. And then notice... Verse 3, and I will bless those who bless you, and I and the one who curses you, I will curse. And then notice, and in you, all the families, all the nations, all the peoples of the earth will be blessed. So who gets to pray this? Someone who is a son or a seed of Abraham. That's who gets to. But also, those who are blessed by Aaron. So turn to number 6 now. Turn to number 6, and I want to show you verses 22 through 27, because the wording of Psalm 67 comes right out of Aaron's blessing as the high priest. It's it's the exact wording. Look at number 6, 22 through 27. Notice in verse 22, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and to his sons. In other words, speak to the priests. Here's what the priests are going to do, saying, Thus you shall bless the sons of Israel, and you shall say to them, and here's the blessing, the Lord bless you and keep you, the Lord make his face shine on you, see, Psalm 67, and be gracious to you, Psalm 67, the Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. So they shall invoke my name on the sons of Israel, and then I will bless them. So all the psalmist has done is he's taken Aaron's blessing to the people and turned it into a prayer. So as a congregation, they hear God's blessing on them, and then they say, Lord, we want to keep on being blessed so that we can be a blessing to others. Like Father Abraham was. That's the idea. They turn this song into prayer. Now, why can you and I pray this? How many uh, people are Jewish here today? Okay, that's what I thought. How many people uh, uh, are, are citizens of the nation of Israel today? Okay, no. Why do we get to pray this? Why do we get to pray this? And there's three reasons. Because as Gentiles, we come into Christ... And we don't become Israel, we don't replace Israel, but we get all the blessings of Israel through Christ that were given to Abraham. So notice in your notes, why can we pray this prayer? Because in Christ we are the spiritual seed of Abraham. Galatians 3 says this, Even so, Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Therefore, be sure that it is those who are of faith who are the sons of Abraham. The scripture foreseeing that God would justify Gentiles by faith preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham. And here's what he said. All the nations will be blessed in you. So then, those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham, the believer. So in Christ, we believe in Christ. And guess what? We are spiritual sons of Abraham. Therefore, we pray, Lord, bless us. To be a blessing. Okay, that's number one. Number two, in Christ, we are blessed with every spiritual blessing. That's what Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 says. So, we got something more than the Aaron's blessing. We've got every spiritual blessing. And you know why God has blessed you? Why he's blessed you? Why he's blessed me? So that we would be a blessing to the nation's. So that we would share that blessing with the nations. And then number three, in Christ, we are commissioned to spread the fame of his name among all people groups. That's Matthew 28. Remember, the Aaron's blessing ended, so I shall speak and set his name among you. Well, we go to the nations and we preach the gospel in such a way that we make known the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we proclaim him as the God who is our salvation. And not only ours, he can be yours too. Pretty cool. So, that's the global heart cry. But listen, we just don't pray this and hope it's going to happen. We pray this because we know it's going to happen. And you know why we know it? Because it's predicted. It's a prophecy in verse 4. So let's look at that. The global hope of missions. The global hope of missions is the heart of this psalm. It's bracketed by the praise of his people. Look at verse 4. Now we're moving into prophecy. This is a prayer based on God's prophetic promises. Let the nations be glad... And sing for joy. Why? For you will. There's the prophecy. You will judge the peoples with uprightness. And guide the nations on the earth. Boom. Hallelujah chorus. The consummation will happen. It will come. Selah. sila, Selah. Pause and reflect. So let's look at. Let's break this down a little bit. First of all. These lets, in, this let in verse 4, is not an invitation. It's an intercession of prayer. And we see here another word for nations. So there's been now three different words for peoples and nations. But here's what I want you to see. Verse 4 teaches us that worship is the goal of missions. Worship is the goal of missions. Let the nations be glad. And sing for joy. That's the goal that we're moving towards. It's the goal because missions exist because worship doesn't. Listen, the goal of all of history is the Hallelujah Chorus. It's every tribe, people, nation, and tongue gathered around his throne worshiping and singing praise the Lord. Hallelujah. That's the goal. And so worship is the goal of missions. We want people to be not merely saved, but live in the presence of God so that they praise God with all that they have, with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And they so enjoy praising Him that they want others to join them in praising Him. My God's so great, I've got to tell you about Him. And I want you to join. tell you what i was I was blessed uh, with a text this morning from my dear daughter who said, "Hey, three of my colleagues came to church with me this morning, so we're off, you know, so I'm barely awake. she's done with church, and so you don't know how much I wanted to call and find out how that went, but that's what we're supposed to be doing they 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 should be seeing something in us and they should be desiring what we have, and we should point them to the one who's making a difference. And believe me, my daughter's not perfect, and nobody here is perfect either, but we have a perfect God. And that's who we point people to. It's the goal of mission. Secondly, worship is the fuel of missions. Worship is the fuel of missions. Let the nations be glad in you like we are. So let me ask you a question, tough question this morning. Are you glad in God? Are you happy in Jesus? And would your co-workers say that you are? I don't believe in her God. I don't want anything to do with his God. But I got to say this. He sure is happy in him. She sure is content in him. And I know he or she is going through hard times, but they just, they persevere through it. And they're always still pointing me to God. So let me ask you, is your joy in Jesus worth exporting to the nations? Because you know what? If it doesn't, if Jesus doesn't make you happy, well, then why would I, Why would you share him? Because here's the thing. We naturally share what brings us joy. You know, I, I, did, I didn't have to put in my notes, share about Amber inviting her colleagues. Why? Because that brings me joy. Right? And I want to tell people about it. But a greater joy is knowing Jesus and praising him. And I want people to know. Worship is the fuel of missions, Do unsaved people want what you present to them in Jesus? Do they see joy in you or merely fear? Do they see joy or just anxiety? Do they see joy or just anger, negativity, condescension, and shame? Now, that doesn't mean we don't have... I'm not talking about you know, uh, fake it until you make it. Okay. I'm not talking about praise the Lord anyway, and just being happy when, 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 when hell has fallen on your life. Okay. What I'm talking about is in the midst of the struggles, in the midst of the difficulties, there's an abiding joy in the Lord. Amen. And do people see that in you? So that's the global hope. One day, Missions will no longer exist, but kingdom worship is eternal. One day, missions will no longer exist. Christ will come back, but kingdom worship is eternal. The mission will succeed because the king will come with his kingdom. Man, I wish we had more time to explore this, but look at verse 4. Here's when you know the kingdom has come because the king is going to be on the earth. And he's going to judge the peoples with uprightness. The judge is at the door, James says in James 5. He is at the door. He is coming. And when he comes, he's going to separate the sheep and the goats. He's going to judge the nations. He's going to judge all peoples. And those whose names are written in the book of life, though they don't deserve it, they're going to be saved and ushered into the kingdom. And those who have rejected Messiah, who have rejected the presence and the blessings of God, will enter into everlasting condemnation in hell. He's going to judge fairly. And the reason we know it's going to be fair, it's going to be according to his word. And it's going to be according to his gracious and yet holy character. But not only that, notice what it says in verse 4. He will guide the nations on the earth. Now, this was a blessing that I can't take you all the way through. But I looked up that word guide. I'm like, okay, where's that used in the Old Testament? And I start looking through it. It's used of how Yahweh guided the people through the wilderness. It's used in Psalm 23, where the good shepherd guides us into paths of righteousness for his namesake. It's used in Isaiah of guiding us to healing and comfort through repentance. It's used in Psalm 107 of a ship captain steering his ship. I'm going to get in trouble here. Steering his ship into a safe harbor. And it's used here of a king who will lead with just judgment. Wow, what a blessing that will be. And that's going to be the kingdom of God the kingdom will come. It is predicted. Our kingdom hope is a sure hope. It's a confident hope. So let me read from John Piper's book, which is named after this psalm. Psalm 67, let the nations be glad. This is the contemporary classic work on missions. If you want to work on missions, and you want to delve into the heart of God on missions, I encourage you to buy this book. I encourage you to read this book. Let the nations be glad. It's all built on this. And let me just read to you the the quote that begins this book. Here's the quote. Missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Missions exist because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate, not missions. Because God is ultimate, not man. When this age is over and the countless millions of the redeemed fall on their faces before the throne of God, missions will be no more. It's a temporary necessity, but worship abides forever. And then he goes on and he says this, Worship, therefore, is the fuel and goal of missions. It's the goal of missions because in missions, we simply aim to bring the nations into the white-hot enjoyment of God's glory. The goal of missions is the gladness of the peoples in the greatness of God. And we have seen that. In the doxological halal. What's that going to look like? Psalm 146 to Psalm 150. We've studied it now for five weeks. He goes on to say, The Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Let the many coastlands be glad. Psalm 97.1 And then he ends. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Psalm sixty-seven. Three through four. And then notice in your Bibles, Selah. Is this your joy? Is this your priority? Seeking first the kingdom of God? Is this the prayer of your life? Lord, bless me to be a blessing to the nations. Lord, send forth more laborers into your harvest in the hard places where people have hard hearts like Bangladesh. Is this my hope in life? I want all people to praise you like I praise you. Or maybe like Jonah, we need to repent this morning and say, you know what, Lord? My joy isn't worthy of being exported. I need to learn how to praise you more. I need to be in your presence more. Talked to someone just this last week talking about spending time in God's word. Listen, the, the magnet, to spending time with God is God. The joy in spending time with God is God. And there's nothing, there's some practical things we can do that help us spend time with God, but at the end of the day, He is our joy, He is our goal, and He is the fuel. Of missions. So, you say, Chris, what's this going to look like? Well, that's the last point, and it's this. The global harvest of missions. That's verses 5 through 7. The global harvest of missions. Look at verses 5 through 7. Let the peoples praise you. Oh God, let all the peoples praise you. Now, I, I think these lets are now invitations and no longer intercessions. You say, why? It's exactly like verse 3. Yeah, but it's broken up by a selah. And it bleeds into verses 6 and 7. In other words, what I'm saying is, when he says it now in verse 5, he is saying, nations, it's time to kick it up a notch. You know why? Bam! The kingdom has come. And the earth has produced a global harvest. I would also say that to you because in verse 6, it says the earth has yielded. And not to get too nerdy on you or geeky, it's a perfect tense, which means it's happened in the past with ongoing results. Up to this time, everything has been an ongoing keep blessing us, keep blessing us so that we can keep blessing the nations. Now... Something has happened. A global harvest has yielded permanent results in the kingdom of God and the new creation. Therefore, nations, kick it up a notch. Bam! Hallelujah! Let the nations praise you. Let the nations praise you. Is that not the coolest thing? You know, what did Wesley say? Set yourself on pipe fire and people come and watch you burn you know are you just I want you to burn not just me okay I want all of us to burn okay I want all of us to be passionate so let's take a look at this the global harvest will yield kingdom blessings that fill the earth with the fear of the Lord that's what verse 7 says he blesses us that all the ends of the earth may fear him There's coming kingdom blessings that are greater than anything you've had yet. It's the perfection and the glory of the blessings of the kingdom. And then the earth will fear the Lord. So here's what I want to do with our time less. What is this going to sound like? What is this going to look like? Turn your Bibles to Revelation 5. What is this going to sound like? What is this going to look like? Revelation 5. I wish we had time to read the whole chapter. You ought to read it. But let's just look at verses 6 through 10. Revelation 5, 6 through 10. What is this going to sound like? What is this going to look like? What is verse 5 going to look like when the earth has yielded or when the nations are praising the Lord? Revelation 5, 6. And I saw between the throne, the throne of God, With the four living creatures and the elders a lamb standing as if slain, stood up from resurrection, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, Father, Son, and Spirit, sent out into all the earth. And he came and he took the book out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each one holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Psalm 67. When you pray it, it's collected and it is a pleasing aroma in heaven. And they sang a new song. We saw that in the hallelujah chorus. Worthy are you to take the book and break its seals. For you were slain and purchased for God with your blood. Men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests. Aaron's blessing to our God. And they will reign upon the earth. Turn to Revelation 7. Revelation 7, let's read 9 through 12. What is this going to sound like? What is this going to look like? Revelation 7, 9 through 12. After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could count, from every nation, and all tribes, and peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne, and before the Lamb, clothed in right robes and palm branches were in their hands and they cry out with a loud voice. We've seen that in the hallelujah. Shout to the Lord. Salvation to our God. Remember, Psalm 67 is in that. Salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God. Why? Because they feared God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen. When will this happen? When will this happen? Turn to Revelation 19. When will Psalm 67 become a reality? Revelation 19. Let's read 1 through 8. Revelation 19, verse 1. After these things, I heard something like a loud voice of a great multitude. Do you see that? In heaven, saying, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God, because his judgments are true and righteous. For he has judged the great harlot who was corrupting the earth with her immorality, and he has avenged the blood of his bondservants on her. And the second time they said, Hallelujah! Her smoke rises up forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God who sits on the throne saying, Amen, hallelujah. And a voice came from the throne saying, Give praise to our God, all you bondservants, you who fear Him, the small and the great, Then I heard something like the voice of a great multitude, like the sound of many waters, like the sound of mighty peals of thunder saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give glory to him for the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen Bright and clean for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints, folks. How is this going to happen? God uses means. What do I mean? God uses means, He uses you and He uses me, He uses you and you and you, He uses means. Acts 1 8. But we shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. And you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, both Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's how they're going to be filled with fear. That's how the nations are going to praise. Folks, we got to pray. we got to go. we got to give. And we do it out of a heart of praise. Amen. Is that just not exciting? So, let me ask you, do you have a global heart cry? Start praying this way. Do you have a global hope? Pray knowing this is going to happen. It's already a done deal. Pray so that you see your fruit standing around the throne. I mean, I, here, here's a great fear of mine. That I'm standing at the throne of God and there's just maybe one or two people where others have a whole group of people because they leveraged their life, they leveraged their resources and they were bold enough to share the gospel. Are you with me? I don't want to be standing there by myself. I want my daughter with me. I want my wife with me. I want every one of you with me and I want people who live in my neighborhood and people in Bangladesh and people in Greece. And people in Mongolia there, because I prayed, and I gave, and I sent, and I was willing to go. That's what World Outreach is all about. Amen? Man, Psalm 67, it's a a beaut. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your long-suffering and patience with us. Thank you that you use imperfect people, and yet... Lord, we need to live righteous lives so that the world sees a difference in us. And we need to live joyful lives. So Father, help each person here to find their greatest treasure, their greatest satisfaction, and their greatest joy in you, God, as Father, you, Son, as Savior and Lord, and in the Spirit that applies it to our hearts. And empowers us to share this at home and around the world we just say selah hallelujah and amen